Hello everyone, just a real quick one. For those of you that are not connected with me on LinkedIn, you wouldn't have seen my recent announcement about the live podcast event. We've finally got it rebooked back in because we had to cancel due to COVID. It's on the 27th of October. Over 100 recruitment professionals are going to join us on the evening. There's just under 50 tickets left. It's going to be a really cool, unique networking opportunity. I booked out a really quite cool bar in Oxford Circus, the whole sort of basement of that bar. We've got a fantastic panel and we're going to be talking about the state of recruitment. What the hell have we learned in the last 18 months and what are we going to be taking um, into next year to make sure that we absolutely smash 2022? Would love to see you there. If you want to grab your ticket, then use the link in the show notes. Uh, When I recorded this, there were 49 tickets left. I'm going to give this a real push over the last week. So confident that they will be gone very soon. I would love to see you face to face. So uh, yeah, if you fancy a a good evening of learning, connecting, meeting like-minded people, then come join us and I'll see you on the 27th. I'll let you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Simon Kutis, Oliver Kune, and Patrick Harrison, who are all the founders of SOAP, a recruitment business that specializes in offering talent acquisition services for high growth software companies. Their ambition with this business has always been to revolutionize the traditional services that the recruitment industry offer their clients. In the last four years, they've continued to work on innovating their talent solutions to support their clients further and truly support them in solving their hiring problems. With this approach, they were one of the very first agencies to offer a service called TAS, Talent Acquisition as a Service. They currently have 17 people in the business with offices in London, where we are today, and they also have a team in their Brighton office. They have big plans to continue to take SOAP to the next level and continue growing the business further. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ish. Here we are. Thanks very much. Good to see you, mate. Been looking forward to this. It's the first face-to-face podcast I've done in a while. I'm looking forward to it. And I guess where, where I wanted to start is let, let's sort of dig right into the soap story. So I guess, Oli, let me come to you first. Like, from your perspective, and you can speak on behalf of the other guys as well, but like, what, what gave you the confidence to take that leap in starting soap or being involved in this business journey? Well, I'm actually going to pass the baton on. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> right at the very beginning. Yeah. I think Simon can articulate this quite well. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think it's important to note that when I think Ollie was the one that came with the idea and said, guys, we've been successful doing what we're doing for such a long time. We've got our own clients. We've got our, a very clear way of doing things. But actually, we were quite reluctant to go and do our own thing. And, sure. and the reason for that is because we were doing well. We were in a really good rhythm. We had each other. We had, you know, we were established. But I think the reluctance was we don't want to go and just get into the back of the queue and just do what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And so there was a bit of a back and forth saying, well, we don't want to do that. And so we said, well, why should we do that? Why should we get to the back of the queue? If we're going to do it, let's do it differently. Let's mm-hmm. really take the time to go and think about, you know, what, what where is the industry going? And part of that was we actually went in internally for a while as well to really do some talent acquisition work. And this enabled us to get a very different perspective of the industry, really understand the challenges, how decisions are made internally. And so when we came to creating SOAP, talent acquisition as a service was created because we understood that a lot of our clients were looking at building capability in-house. Mm. And 
recruitment conventionally goes against the interests of our clients. So these were the types of things that we were really trying to kind of really understand early early on. And that's the reason why we thought, okay, let's just go and, yeah, and, yeah. and solve this. So but as, as you said, a lot of people will start a recruitment business and then you'll hear them go, we want to do it differently, blah, blah, blah. But that, that's what you really thought about, which then led, okay, let's, let's really give this a go and try, as you said, which is where TAS came from. Very well. And I guess just quickly on that, and feel free to any of your answers. What do you think is the, if, did you all go internal? So yeah, me, me and Simon did. Okay. Actually, did no, I stayed on an agency for a okay, cool. longer, yeah. So I guess for you two then, what do you think is like the most common misconception of like a, being a talent acquisition person that agencies make, do you think? Fab recruiter. Yeah. Hands down. I think that there's this stigma attached to, oh, if you're internal, then you're not very good at recruitment. And I, I have to say now, not only are they paying big money, mm. they're att attracting big talent, but actually there's so much complexity within an organization internally that I don't think you actually really understand it until you've experienced that. Yeah. And so what you, what you tend to find is that from an agency perspective, you're quite blinkered, you're quite selfish with, oh, that, that job's been pulled. I was told it's exclusive and now all of a sudden something's changed or the job description's changed. When you work internally, you understand how those decisions are made. Mm. You understand how, what they're thinking and when they're going to market. So the communication is very different. And having that experience firsthand means that we can address those challenges from that perspective proactively. So even as an agency, having that knowledge gives us the ability to really understand the internal makeup of, of our clients and appreciating that sometimes there are going to be things that are going to change and we can be proactive to ask the right questions to understand exactly where we stand. So it's all about qualifying where you yeah, stand yeah, within that. Yeah, that sense. Well, um, just curious, yeah. were, did, did you deal with agencies when you were in talent acquisition? Well, like, did you have any, have you got any, like, I've, I've had a few people that went internal yeah. agency and there's always normally like a, I don't know, a pet peeve or a story where like, I just can't believe these agencies actually tried to do it because you see it on the other side. That might be, you might have told an agency 10 times, look, we just don't look at CVs that you spec in, so this is the way you do it. I don't know, they'll send you another file. I don't know, was there anything that you saw that comes to mind or not really? Not that comes to mind. <laughs> I think there was, um, see, I was quite open to spec CVs. Okay. But the problem for me was you spec a CV in and not follow up with a call and actually sell me the candidate. It's, you've mm. only done half the job. And yeah. I think that presenting a CV and I think there's a lot of people that will just spec a CV in um, but without following up on the call and actually selling that candidate in it's, it's, it's worthless really. There was a couple of candidates I received and yeah on paper they were, they were, they were shocking. Um, it was only then for a re reference that I actually then ended up going back to an agency to say I'd actually like to speak to your candidate and wow. should that person have actually you know done and referenced yeah. that candidate it probably would have a different, different conclusion. How would we describe first year so just so obviously i said where the business is about today like what did the business look like in the first year just quickly like where did you finish the first year was it just still just you three was there a couple of people involved straight away so it actually started as a fight it was kind of a staggered entry but um so it was ali ben patrick right. myself and then there was, there was another who was with us at the time as well. So there was there was there was a few of us at the beginning. We were actually six when we, we were started. Actually six, oh, yeah. So yeah, we, we obviously had a few connections in the market who were lucky enough to be interested in, you know, being part of the business from its sure. from its birth. So we always knowing that we didn't want a kind of lifestyle business and the plan was always to yeah. really scale the company, we wanted to 
to get off to a start where we could all always deliver from, from day yeah. one. So how, how would you describe the first year then? Uh, exciting, yeah. I think. Uh, obviously we were working across two different locations and I think that maybe only even in the last six, 12 months, we've realized what kind of complexity that brings. So you're talking about Brian, Brian Yeah, London, so yeah, obviously yeah. Ollie's based out of Brighton, myself and Simon in London. Yeah. And I think that you can, it's quite easy to fall into the trap of almost running two separate businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's taken us a long, obviously we've always worked cohesively. We've got really good relationships. It's good, good collaboration across the business, yeah. but creating that one kind of unified company with the same processes, the same go-to-market mm. has taken time. Yeah, yeah, mm. I can imagine. So what, what I'm really interested in then, just I guess we can talk about it may have changed, but like how have you ensured all three of you have like remained looking at the same North Star or have this same vision out of interest? Has there been challenges with that? <laughs> yeah, like, because yeah. you know what I mean? You're yeah. talking about Brighton and London, I can <clears> see that straight <throat> away. How have you made sure that you three are sort of locked in into we're all in this together, this is where we want to go out of yeah. interest. I think we've always had, we've always, you know, from all three of us have always had the same vision. Mm. And I think that's really helped. Plus we've worked together for 10 years, right? Yeah, <laughs> so that, that it, must so we, Exactly. It's as much a marriage as it is a business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that from a brio, we complement each other really well. Um, we each have our strengths, we each have our weaknesses. We don't actually identify those strengths and weaknesses until time. Right, time mm. is, I think that- Well, you know, over time you really realize what those are. Exactly, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's taken us years to actually find out who's, what lane we yeah. need to be in, what lane we fit in, mm. and yeah. That, that's kind of a constant process as well, and kind yeah. of, you know, that's, that's still an evolution for me, because, you know, the business is obviously, we're growing to 17, we want to grow way beyond that in the next four years. So everyone's got to go through growth to get there, mm. but at the same time also play to your strengths, which is like you're having to develop new skills, but also then reassess mm. where your strengths are and where you're, yeah, yeah. where mm. someone else is strong and they should be in that lane. So, so you've got the benefit of hindsight, like <laughs> advice for people now that, I think I, most solo founders I speak to, when I say, oh, like anything that you maybe would do differently, they'd like the idea of starting something with someone else or other people, because obviously it can be, imagine yeah. if you just did this on your own, there was no sign, no power, no, yeah. et cetera, right? Yeah. I can sure you think that'd be so hard. Yeah, completely. It's so like, I think it can be a really lonely place. Exactly, um, so I guess with that hindsight, advice for people that may, I don't know, is there, is there maybe good questions that they can ask each other to find out where their strengths are? I don't know, How? what advice would you give people that could enable them to work out what lane their their co-founder should be in yeah, yeah. earlier, maybe or I think I think it's kind of breaking it down into the pillars of what a successful business needs to look like, right? Mm. You need, you know, you need strong business development skills. Yeah. You need strong, I suppose, resourcing skills. Mm -hmm. You then need good training skills. You need good entrepreneurial skills and understanding how the back end of a business needs to work. You've then got contractual elements that that will always come in play. And so I think really understanding what those pillars are, be true to yourself around where your strengths are, mm. and then potentially look at identifying people yeah. that you know may have those. Easier said than done, yeah, I'm sure. I think we've been really lucky that you know we each you know it's we've, we've complemented each other in that way. Yeah, and some of that's almost accidental to be 100% transparent yeah. because <laughs> you don't realise that you are going to complement each other really until you get into that situation, right? Yeah. Even though we've worked together a long time it is a different thing to then go and fully own a business and mm. you know start to operate different parts or pillars of that business as Ollie said. So it is like, 
yeah, constant discovery process from yeah. that point of view. I think there is also um, the natural tendency to maybe try and pair up with someone that's like you. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's, that that's probably the biggest mistake you can make. Yeah. Mm. I think, you know, we, we look at a lot of things like disc theory and stuff and look at personality types and stuff. It's quite interesting. But I, I think finding someone that's, you know, you know, proactive, someone that's more detail orientated. If you yeah. look at the personality blend, you know, even though that can be frustrating, that someone really wants to move fast and someone wants to move slow. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes if you move too fast and you're just um, task orientated and results orientated, mm. having someone to rein you in and say, actually, yeah. let's look at the detail, let's look at the process and slow you down. So actually what you think you need might actually might be, be completely different. different to what you really need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually, if you look at us as a three, we're so different, but yet because our values are aligned, because our work ethics are aligned, because our standards, everything we talk about is about standards. And I think because of that, because we're very different, we find a way to work things out and we're always just yeah. take it and go, take it and go and just yeah. learn, yeah. constant learning. I think that's a really good point. I think that's maybe it's part of a different question, but that's really important from a hiring perspective as well and creating right. that blend within the team, you know, the people who are not just the kind of recruitment, almost cliche of like super money motivated, yeah, yeah. driven. Obviously those are important things to have in your team, but you also need someone with an eye for detail, someone who's a bit of a visionary, someone with ideas, mm. you know, someone who's a bit more of the glue between the people. Yeah. I think the, th the same things you need for a business partnership, you do need in kind of, you know, the teams you're hiring, hiring the teams yeah. you're scaling. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've met other agency leaders where it's so easy to like you said hire what's like you or like the same similar people, right? Yeah. I guess um just just I guess a bit of a final bit on the early on day, just just curious for people who might be early on in their agency journey. Like obviously you Pat, you said you knew that you didn't want this to be a lifestyle business. So obviously yeah. you would have shared that. Did you self-fund the business? Like what was you thinking in terms of like did you was like, right, let's give ourselves a six month runway where we don't have to think about finance are doing deals because obviously you hired people right away. What did that look like out of interest? This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincherry, the recruitment operating system for your front, middle and back office. So I recently recorded a podcast with James Layton from the Anderson James Group, which will be out really soon. And as part of our conversation, we got into the topic of the best tools that he's invested in so far in his business journey. And guess what? Vincherry was up there and also Sourcebreaker was. But in this very short snippet, you're going to hear why James is so happy to be a Vincherry customer. And look, who's better to tell you about their product and why you should be considering Vincherry as your operating system partner than their customers themselves. Here's what James had to say. We implemented Vincherry right in the heat of lockdown. We decided that it was the right time. The old system that we used was clunky. I'm a real, real, real believer of Vincherry as a system. I must have recommended 20 people to Vincherry over the years because I think they're going to change the game. And I can say that wholeheartedly, having used Bullhorn and another product, I can say that Vincherry is number one in that world for a growing recruitment business because it's intuitive, it's got intelligence suites, it's got everything that you probably need to... Yeah, it's a whole operating system, not just a CRM, is it? Is this the whole point? Yeah, it's, and yeah. It, it's brilliant. And they're brilliant. Like, you know, Eloise and the team there, they're, they're great. And they're always there if you need them for anything. It was TAS, wasn't it? TAS helped T fund that. Uh, exactly okay. what I was going to say. So obviously talent acquisition as a service is an, up, is an yeah. upfront fee. So they pay your time. And we were really lucky that we were able to block out a six-month 
contract. So that massively have a cash flow. Massively. But then I'm of the opinion of, do you know what? If if you've got the right attributes to step out and do it, mm. then you're going to make it work. Mm-hmm. The more pressure you've got on yourself externally to make it work, the more likely it is to work. <laughs> the more comfortable you set yourself up. Yeah. The sort of cushion that you've got, you've got something yeah. to fall back on. I guess it's a balance, isn't it? I'm being like smart and not. Totally. And I think yeah. this is this goes back to the disc theory. You know, I'm, I'm very red, <laughs> which is, um, if you haven't read it, it's worth reading, um, which is, do you know what? Just get involved. Yeah. Not having necessarily lows behind you, I don't see as a, a, a shouldn't necessarily stop somebody mm. shouldn't go, from going and doing it. Depending that you're the right characteristic, that you yeah, can make yeah, it work, for sure. right? But at the same time, yeah, if you you know think about it sensibly, you know there are always costs that come up, but, and there's always up people looking for you to fail as well. Mm. And so, with that in mind, you've got to understand that there's going to be unforeseen costs that are going to come your way, yeah, yeah, and yeah. people will work against you wanting to succeed. Yeah. So, so that leads quite nicely then. Let's talk about TAS then for a second. So, as you, that was a big driver as to taking that leap doing things differently. Talk to us about, I guess, obviously, I'm sure you agree with quite a few agencies have some sort of like talent partnership model. It's like a subscription model, whatever it is. But how was that received initially from the clients you were speaking to, Tass? And like, what were you trying to achieve with it? Like, what were the maybe different problems you were trying to solve that maybe typical agency recruitment may not solve? The biggest challenge of selling a talent acquisition as a service solution, that it sounds too good to be true. Okay. Right? So basically what you're doing is you, you're comparing talent acquisition as a service across the different blends of recruitment services that you offer, right? So you compare it to uh, a standard recruitment contingent or yeah. retained, either way, and, and you're comparing it to, to that solution. So fundamentally, you're doing it for a lot cheaper and you're guaranteeing results. So we were guaranteeing a certain number of hires over a period of time. Okay, for um, X subscription. Exactly, okay. so it's kind of like, you're willing to cut your costs in half, theoretically, if you produce the, the success that you're talking about, why are you doing that? Yeah. Right, and for us it was long-term relationships. What's the catch? What's the catch, what's the catch? It sounds too good to be true. And to be honest with you, we, we set ourselves up for failure. Okay. Because by initially, us yeah. initially, and obviously yeah. this was again, and you know, it, it had a big impact on us as a business. Because what we were willing to do is ensure that we were, I suppose, you know, giving them everything, but forgetting that for a talent acquisition as a service and this type of business model to work, both parties have to give. Have to give yeah. Both parties have to come to the table and say, right, this is what I'm willing to do, mm. but you've got to meet me in the middle. This is what I'm expecting you. Yeah. No relationship works if it's by itself. Right. Yeah, yeah that's great. And, and actually, that's why we created white papers like the Trinity Search methodology, which is a process which looks at things like what is the utopian best practice for you know, clients being able to to streamline their recruitment process. And part of that was in order for us to be able to service our clients, they need to get their house in order. Right. It's not just about what we're providing them. It's also about helping them. So Mm. we became, again, quite consultative in really helping our clients understand these are the bottlenecks that are slowing your process down. Yeah. Help them help us. So, yeah. So And and what it was born out of, going back to where we started at the beginning of this in terms of talent acquisition not just being a USP but like genuinely solving an industry challenge where internal TA isn't working against agency you know it's a, an actual partnership right yeah. 
getting away from the transactional, being closer to the business, understanding, as Simon was saying before, about those business drivers and as an agency aligning to those rather than just looking at your own motives or your own you know, desire to just make placements there. The benefits of TAS in terms of being a genuine USP, solving the transactional relationship between TA and agency yeah. can also be its biggest issue because you're also assuming that the client is going to work to your process. And a lot of the time it is a lot of kind of re-education around the client's process because you're committing a lot in terms of our consultant's time yeah. being aligned to that business. And if their internal processes is not as good as you think, then tasks can become quite Very difficult to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So keen to like segue to like where your sort of services and solutions, what they look like now, because clearly this is a learning period. So I guess let's just talk a bit about like what, what were the, some of the key learnings then? So that six month period had that recurring revenue, really try to focus on the diff, that problem you're trying to solve. Like what were some of the, the learnings that you took from that experience early on? So I think it comes back to a strategy which has always served us well, which is we've always tried to align to the business objectives. And so I think TAS, we thought was the answer, right. but actually we were selling on, on, on money. Yeah. And actually what we've tried to do since is to really, really understand the drivers, really understand the business objectives, the business strategy. And anything that we do from a recruitment perspective, we ask about the strategy of the business. And we see recruitment as an enablement of a business outcome. And so everything that we do as a business, it really kind of is kind of born, it manifests from that mindset, yeah. from our training, from our development, from the way we engage with yeah. our clients, with our candidates, all around that. So I think what's happened since then is because we've always had that mindset, even though TAS isn't our flagship service anymore, what we are able to do is still win those big retained projects. We are still able to go and win global projects, you know, with some of the best clients in the world because we understand the challenges, we understand the pains, and we attach ourselves to that. Whereas before, we were just selling on features and, and money. So, more of instead of paying one or fee each time, it's players each month, like you focus more on that rather than what you're talking yeah. about. And I think it's, it was assuming that the client's driver was budget. Well, it was just to save money. Yeah, yeah. And for some clients, it can be. You know, a lot yeah, of clients yeah, of do base it on a recruitment spend, but others are looking for something completely different. And if you go in, you know, to any sales process not understanding what the business drivers are or what the value is to that customer, you, you can go wrong, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. We took it at face value because the common concern or the, the, the objective of setting up a talent acquisition function within a business is to reduce agency dependency and reduce agency and costs. Spend, yeah. So we thought, okay, okay, let's just attach ourselves to cost, whereas there was so much more. Mm. There was so much more than just it being a cost implication. So we then helped build that out. So yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting journey. And, you know, as a business, obviously we still do it, but it's, you know- said it's not, maybe not like the flagship, when maybe when you started, you thought that would yeah. have been the flagship, but because yeah. of the learnings and stuff, it's evolved. Yeah. We, we feel as though we've got different weapons that we can use for different scenarios. And I think our journey of sales is really understand the business. Yeah. Underst really understand why. You know, ask those why questions, understand those situation questions, and also attach ourselves to the personal win of who we're selling to. Mm. Because a lot of the time, the reason why they're taking you down a direction or they're blocking you is because you, you're, you're misaligned. So if we can really understand that, we can sell retained if that's time. Mm. We turn retained work away. Mm. You know, retained isn't everything. We turn it away if the outcome 
is not going to be worth the effort. So it's about understanding the drivers and then tailoring the right solution. TAS could be the perfect solution if they've got the right processes. So we can be a lot more objective and much more tactical with our approach and bespoke by just listening and investing that time with the client. Yeah. So what, what I'm keen to go into now then, I, 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 that's what I've always admired about you guys, like the way that you think, like it's just complete, it is different. I know it's like a cliche, we want to do things differently, but I think as you said, you're trying to get away from just the recruitment talk and really understand what are they trying to achieve and why, and then understand if you can enable that by getting them the right people or giving them the right advice and those things. So how does this, the way that you're talking about things, how does this manifest then in terms of like, the types of people that you guys hire or the types of people that you look for because and the way that you train them and develop them because I think it isn't going to be like Pat said they're the typical cliche just like only in it for them and wants to just make that deal and not thinking do you get what I mean because I'm sure you've been on a journey with that in the last two years three years alone like how has that yeah. taken shape out of interest I think it's probably the most ironic thing isn't it a recruitment company is really struggling to recruit yeah, yeah. number one challenge is recruitment number one challenge is I think that's common in the industry though, really oh, yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing we've got away from is looking at experience or just looking for you know certain client connections or even market knowledge okay. I think so the biggest switch that we've made is looking for really specific characteristics within people okay. some sales experience is great but apart from that it's intelligence character and coachability Intelligence, character, and coachability. Yeah, so we know that with the training development program, which we can, Simon can give a bit more detail about on the yeah. playbook side, if we find those people with the right characteristics, and you know, some of those cliches are still important, right? Yeah. You know, hunger, drive, competitiveness are still things that you can make you successful in sales, but mm. it's not about you know, having 18 months experience in recruitment for us, it's about how driven you are to learn not just our methodologies, but really like continuously learn and develop mm. and become a master in your market. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of that was born through our clients. Mm. So we're working with some of the, well, mm. most exciting high growth software companies in the world. And you know, they, they turn CVs upside down. They look at attributes before they look at experience. Mm. And that was kind of a, a bit of a, a eureka moment for us when we kind of thought, okay, hold on a minute, that should be how we, is that how we should be thinking about recruitment? And, and, and that's when we changed our, yeah. our sort of tact. When did you think that really, you really like committed to that? Cause I'm sure that along the way you've maybe just been a bit lenient with it at times. Mm. It was, it was the podcast, wasn't it? The, pod, the podcast bit, that was the real kind of, wow. That's then also then calling, which we'll talk about in a bit, you know, when we talk about non-exec directors yeah. and influence and people coming in, the influence from our side is influence from the people in our industry that are scaling yeah. software companies, that are scaling sales organizations. Mm. So a lot of our kind of inspiration has, has really come from them. The challenge was how do we go and qualify those attributes? That's it, yeah. Right? It's not necessarily about, yeah. exactly, how do we then, but again, the individuals that we are working with have mastered this, mm. right? They they understand how to qualify individuals around intelligence, right? Mm. I think when you look at intelligence in its in itself, people are thinking, okay, you know, academic, academic, academic. Mm. Now, academic is not necessarily the only thing of intelligence, right? You've got book smart, but you've also got street smart people. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't class myself as an as an academic no, as such. Um, but at the same time, I'm pretty street smart. Mm. You know, I, I can see the opportunities and, and I look at things um, not in a necessarily linear fashion. And yeah. I'm looking at it very from an objective. The characteristics are, you know, give me examples of, you know, where you've challenged, you know, you've been challenged, you've dealt with adversity in your life, right? Not necessarily just in work, but, you know, 
what have you overcome? When mm. you've been pushed up against the wall, how have you managed to you know, fight back? Then the coachability is simple, right? People have got to be willing to learn. People have got to be willing to take on new ideas. So the intelligence characteristics and coachability piece is really interesting. But I think if you look at all the software companies that we recruit for, Jeremy Duggan being a, a big influence in there, people like John McMahon, Jeremy Duggan himself has actually called it ICE criteria, which is the intelligence characteristics, coachability and experience. Oh, wow. So it's an actual terminology used in the industries that we recruit. Yeah, yeah. To go back to your question as well, I think it took us about two, two and a half years to get to that point. Okay. Um, so it's really last 12, 18 months. And I would say even the last six months has still seen an, another leap in identifying those characteristics. Mm -hmm. It's easy to fall into the habit of just hiring people yeah. you like. Yeah. You want to like them and see those attributes and values for your business. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. I think that's, I definitely, obviously I've known you guys for a little while and I do feel like since we last spoke and stuff, I feel like things have just gone up a notch and stuff. And that, that's what I was interested in. It seems like a big part of it is like what you're talking about, like just being really committed to like what you want to build and staying true to that. So obviously, Ollie, you're talking about getting better at identifying those things mm. in the interview process. How does it manifest then when we're measuring performance? Does that change anything out of interest? If Do you look at anything different in terms of measuring those characteristics or continuing to see, yeah. is there anything different maybe that you look at that might be away from the typical performance metrics that recruitment agency leaders look at? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we were guilty of really just judging people on, on, on results, even if we didn't want to. I think everything was results. If, you, if you're performing, then that's fine. And I think that that's probably the biggest transformation in our business is that that's not all right just because you're doing, you're doing well. So, so what, what we're looking for is people that are genuinely dedicated to their continuous learning. Mm. I, I think that it's very natural that you know, as a recruiter, once you leave, reach a certain level of competence, you become, you, you, you enter a comfort zone where you're kind you of just, complacent. yeah, you get really complacent with where you are. And I think that within this business, what we're trying to do is make sure that people are continuously, we, we, we have to inspire them as to why they should better themselves, give them the tools that they need to better themselves. But we, 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 we have to constantly push that. Now, the reason I say that is because when, when we measure success and, and for promotions within our business, it's not just revenue. Mm. We're also tracking mastery. So we've got playbooks that we're rolling out specifically looking at different areas of, the, of what we do. Mm. And it's all around the best practice. It's all about you know, that whole elevating yourself above the noise and, and that whole advisory service in everything that we do. And so we're constantly pushing our consultants to reach mastery. So even if they're hitting revenue targets, we still we, we, we show them the potential. Imagine if you were able to master this more, if you were able to yeah. squeeze that little bit more, what, what, what that can mean for you. Mm. So, and this also ties into the attributes. If you've got the wrong attributes, you're not going to buy into that. That's why yeah, the coachability, yeah. that's why the intelligence, that's why the really horsepower needs to be there. So it all ties together. I think, again, looking at it from a results perspective, I think particularly in the last six to 12 months, we're less focused on outcomes because we know if the characteristics, as we've said, but also the inputs are there, the attitude's there, you know, they're, they're working to a, a consistently really high standard across everything, mm. then they're gonna bill way above the industry average. You know, yeah. we've had people billing 25, 30K on average per month consistently and, and way above that. Mm. But it's almost taking it away from X amount of money per month and looking at breaking it down into every little element of what people are doing to enable them to really master their market and perfect the art of, 
of headhunting yeah. in the tech space? So I, obviously I speak to a lot of agency leaders around learning development and I think most agency leaders will tell you that they want those types of people in their business, like they want to develop and those types of things. But how does this actually look like in practice in terms of like, is it every week at a certain time, everyone doing training development, set? like how is it really important in the onboarding process? So from day one when I'm work for SOAP, I know training is important. How does it actually, do you know what I mean? How does it show up in actual, practice like how have you gone about ingraining it because i feel like the, the size you're at now is so important to really have those and then when you grow it's just part of the fabric of soap right so how are you ingraining it in practice out of interest this podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. i'm back again with a successful Sourcebreaker story i really believe it's the best way to share with all of you how great this tool is. So again, if you haven't checked it out, please go and check it out. Book yourself a no pressure demo to see how this tool could basically enable you to find candidates quicker. And that is what this story is all about today. So let me share it with you. A role called in for a three month fixed term role to start next week for a digital marketing executive. Through Sourcebreaker, searching their jo- the job boards and using the Sourcebreaker tool to uh, go through our database, I immediately found a lady who fit the criteria perfectly and the CV was sent over by 11 a.m. The interview was booked in for 4 p.m. and an offer was given by 5.30 p.m. the same day. Quickest deal in Searchability's history, which is the business and the consultant this company worked for. And that is how quickly Sourcebreaker can help you make deals, do placements. Right now, you probably have jobs coming out of your ears and your clients will absolutely love you if you deliver and deliver more quickly. So please go and check out the Sourcebreaker tool. If you haven't already, use the link in the show notes, get a demo booked in, you won't regret it. So there's, there's two things. Obviously, there's the initial training. And, yeah. and three days before they even learn anything technical is about understanding the values and the importance of that dedication to mastery. And okay. it's really spending three days is just <laughs> aligning to the values of the business. It sounds remarkable. In a dark room but, with Simon. But, <laughs> but, but in that time, we're literally talking about what are the things that are important to you? You know, where are you going in your career? Why are you here? You know, what does it take to be world-class? Why, why do athletes master, you know, what's the difference between a world-class athlete? If you're going to be here, be the best you can be. Yeah, but, yeah. So how can we do that? So that's where it starts. So the mindset needs to come before anything. Mm-hmm. So if we get the mindset right, that's when we can get to work. And if the mindset's not there, there is no work to be done. But once we're in, it's three weeks intense learning curve like you wouldn't believe, but they come out of it. They sound, this is non-experienced recruiters, they sound like seasoned, seasoned advisors, mm. you know, and, and that's a consequence of, you know, the playbook and, and hiring the right people yeah. and the training and, and lots of other things, which is a work in progress. Mm. But then cont- continuous after that, every week they have m- mastery milestones that they need to meet, especially for the first kind of three to six months. And then it's constantly, every week, there's listening to calls. We've got the crib sheet. So we ha- in our playbook, we've, we've literally mapped out standards across what exceptional looks like. So everyone now can sit down together, listen to a call, and they've got exactly the same perspective of what exceptional, what's good, what yeah, yeah, of those standards. So there's no, it's no longer subjective. Everyone knows yeah, what the standards are. Different. 
I think it's really important as well that training is not just something you need in your business and then it's you know management passes someone over to the trainer because they're weak in one area i think it has to be an actual core pillar of the business Mm. so as well as the management side as well as the business development side you've also got continuous training development and that is bred into people from day one because then as you scale the company that same dedication to that is always there one of the biggest challenges I always hear from recruiters early on in their journey is that lack is like the lack of self-belief or like feel like that lack of credibility early on. How do you help them overcome that out of interest? Because you said they go like feel yeah. they sound like seasoned advisor, but do they actually believe it? Yeah. <laughs> so they they have to believe it. You yeah, can say, you can have you can thing. have you can say the you know the most scripted thing in the world, perfect words that you've spent two days writing. Mm. If you don't believe what you're saying, neither will the candidate. Yeah. Mm. There was an epiphany moment. I remember we sat on a on a candidate on a, a call. So as a whole company, we sit together and we listen to a call together and we all analyze it. So the whole company together an hour, right? And we were on that and we were talking about, you know, I don't believe you, I don't believe you. And there was a bit of an, a, a penny drop moment, which was belief system, mm. okay? So actually part of the playbook, if you believe the things that you're saying and you see yourself above the noise, we talk about above the noise, so really elevating yourself. If you see yourself above the noise, you will find the words to communicate that belief. Yeah. So I can give you the script, can teach you everything you need to know, but if you don't believe it, it's always gonna, you're always gonna communicate from how you see yourself. If you've got limited yeah. beliefs of yourself, that's always when you're gonna be anti-selling. So to really help you know, people break that and communicate in that right way. We need to give them those perspectives. And the, the whole playbook is built on the psychology of selling. Mm. So things like, you know, tonality and, you know, how you influence people, but also the belief system is people attach themselves to the emotion and justify with logic. Mm. And so, you know, creating that opportunity for people to attach themselves to that emotion mm. is, is the whole, uh, is through the belief. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, yeah. A lot of leadership training focuses on building influencers, right? Mm-hmm. And people who can obviously talk about the value they can give to you and and, and, in, and then why you should follow those people. <clears throat> and I think, especially in our market and a lot of other headhunt markets, you're asking people, you know, maybe mid-20s, late-20s, a lot of the time in our case, to have a belief system as that they can go and influence very senior people yeah. very quickly. So obviously you're training recruitment, but you're training those kind of influencer and leadership skills. Even though they're not directly managing, they have to believe that they have the value to influence people. Yeah. No, I just love that because I've recorded a recent series just like early on in recruitment and one of the biggest challenges that they have to work through is that self-belief, that self-confidence. So the fact you're trying to like really support and attack that from day dot is just going to mean that they're going to have an even better chance of being successful and build on that. So. Before we finish, let's just segue to like where this business is going then, because I know that you're, all of you guys are really excited as to where it's going. So t- talk to me a bit about, I guess, one, how you're viewing the next six, 12 months. Also, just talk to me a bit about what have been some of the maybe recent investments that you may be in people or certain highs that we're looking to make that you feel is really going to enable you guys to achieve that vision that you're... Yeah, I, I, I suppose I'd like to focus on the, the, the last question, which is, you know, I suppose where we're investing our time. So we're investing our time a lot within our in our business service department. And one of the biggest areas of that is on um, video production and marketing. Now, we're not looking at traditional marketing solutions, you know, building our brand. We're looking 
to be honest, it was inspired by you, Hisham, <laughs> you came to us, right? Which is that process that you went through in helping us build our own brands yeah. really set us off on a journey. Mm. It sets us on a journey, you know, not only, not only is it what we want to be as a brand, but we believe our business is made up of the people within our business. Mm. And we truly believe that. And so we went on a personal discovery session with you, which is, you know, what, who, what, who do you want to be? What do you want to do? Which then led us into uh, our podcast series, mm. Hunters and Unicorns, um, and a really successful series of 33 CXOs. Yes, that is a plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, um, it was a real interesting journey. And I think, you know, I think it's a really, really important thing that we're really now supporting people, whoever joins our business, in that ability to be able to help them go through that same journey that you helped us go through. And um, with the Hunters and Unicorns platform itself, and with an actual team of developers, videographers, um, we're actually able to put together really professional, you know, I suppose, marketing material and, and, uh, and supporting document for individuals joining our business, right? Okay. Business services, what, what else? Well, business services is more, it is, it's quite a well-rounded function. So actually business services enables everything to really prop up. So you, you talk about the challenges of managers not really you know, being spread too thin conventionally in recruitment. Business services you know, takes a lot of that burden away to be able to elevate people. So business services takes care of training. It, it takes care of you know, a lot of the processes which take a lot of time, you know, marketing, development, recruitment, enablement, a lot of the operational functions which you take for granted. A business our size is investing so heavily in that, which is quite unique, and that's because we are scaling. You know, we're building the foundations of a scalable business because we don't want to retrofit that. We want to bake that in from day one. So business services is a huge, huge play. Personal development plans for every single person in this business you know, mentoring programs, management frameworks, all of these things that were, all of these processes are really kind of baked into that business service function. I think it's because we've also got not necessarily a complex business model, but we're trying to steer away from billing managers. The only way to be able to progress in a business is by going into a management position. You know, we be, we believe- As a high performer. As a high performer. Yeah. And we believe that, you know, not necessarily the highest performing sales individuals are going to be the best managers, right? Mm. Um, and so to enable everybody with an opportunity to have some form of career progression, get to director, associate director, you know, directorship board level, everybody needs some sort of plan, which again goes back to what we we're talking about at the beginning is understanding your lanes, right? I might be a really good business development person and I love doing that, right? But that's all I love doing, okay? Well, we've got a lane for you here. Mm. If you want to become you know you just love the candidate sourcing part you just you know that's that's what you really focus on you become a director in this business and do nothing more and so as i said but in order to be able to create that you need the complexity of having a business service around you to support those functions mm. it's going back to the characteristics piece everyone wants good characteristics and coachability right mm. but those are very high potential people naturally so what kind of platform or what kind of business or environment do they need to be in? And I think by trying to create the platform that we are to, to then scale it, we need to give the people right now at ground level and at associate level with no prior recruitment experience, the opportunity to grow into those senior roles yeah, yeah. rather than bringing in experienced managers over the top of them. It's about identifying not just that they're good recruiters, but yeah, this person has great characteristics to be a future leader. And how do you then develop that person? So rather than you know, bringing in just senior experienced people and, and bringing in inexperience under them, 
really give those people the opportunity to grow yeah, through the yeah, ranks. I love that. Yeah, and that, that is like the most common driver I hear from young people is progression. That, that's what they want. Let's wrap this up then. So I guess what, what I'd just love to hear from all of you is what's the, I guess, ultimate goal, vision, ambition for SOAP then? And we can finish it there. Like what, how do you see this business in another four years? What, what does the future look like? Well, in one line, we want to be the number one uh, technology recruitment business globally. Yeah. Sales te- technology sales. <laughs> Go to market practice, yeah. yeah. Okay. Is a basic overview. I, I think we want to see ourselves as the, at the at one of the best um, training and development co- recruitment companies in the world. And mm. I think there's no shying against that. Yeah. We want to hire extremely high potential people, give them a platform where they really feel inspired and enabled elevate their belief system to a level that they perhaps didn't even realise they could achieve and just really, you know, create an environment where people can feel part of something quite special. Mm. It sounds a bit generic, but actually genuinely we are dedicated to that and we come to work every single day to work for that. And I think that's that's the common vision that all three of us and everyone in this business is all working towards. Mm. Yeah, I think furthering, you know, personal development is is part of it, but also giving, you know, individuals the platforms and, you know, on the back of the podcasts, mm. you know, and helping people create their whys, you know, mm. create their, um, their brand, you know, establish themselves. You know, I think that in today's market, you know, businesses and recruitment companies are likely to shy away from doing that because yeah. at the end of the day, they're helping that personal brand rather than the company brand, mm. which, you know, inevitably could lead on to, you know, the individuals going off and, you know, starting up themselves. You know, I think that then then becomes the retention part. How mm. do I look at retaining those individuals so they don't go off and do that? Mm. And I'd rather deal with that challenge rather than the suppressing somebody and not allowing somebody to, yeah. to grow and, and get better. And, you know, for me, as I said, you know, I still absolutely love the recruitment part. And, you know, I think some of the people that we've got in the business, you know, I just look at and I think, you know what, not only did you show high potential, what you're now doing is far, you know, surpassing anything that I could have ever achieved in recruitment. And to see that, you know, the, for Mm. me is just, you know, it's fantastic. That's obviously what makes going and all of your own business journey is so special isn't it like because mm. that's clear what all you guys get so excited about is seeing these other people what you can build to help these people maximize their potential totally. that's just obviously the great thing so look after your staff they're going to look after you that's right? it well um it's been a pleasure excited to see where you guys are in another four years but thanks a lot for coming on the pod wow, thanks so much thanks for having us cheers well done on making it to the very end of the episode i hope you enjoyed it done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career like always if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests then please get in touch with me the best place to reach me is on linkedin send me a message what would you love me to cover with future guests if you have enjoyed the podcast then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform that will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast i hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back next week with a new episode of the recruitment mentors podcast